0: Hi, everyone. This is Working Title, the podcast where we, for intrepid, handsome, intelligent, and entirely fraudulent reviewers, watch and review IMDb's top 250 English language movies as of November 2019, going from bottom to top. So watch along with us. And...
1: No, it's a solid list. I'm I'm very pleased with it. It's just, yeah, it's gonna take five fucking years. I have so much to say about this movie. What has it been with us in, like, boring-ass movies?
0: Hey, okay. let's. We got to do the thing first. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode eight. That's right. The Big Ocho.
1: God, we are cruising right along. Eight of 250.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're almost there. We'll be there in no time. <laughs> so this week, we are talking about... The Straight Story, um, which is a semi-biographical movie produced by a director you may recognize, uh, David Lynch, famous for movies such as Eraserhead and the general genre of body horror. So this was a pretty interesting movie. I think we all have a lot to say about it. Before we dive into talking about the movie, why don't we talk about ourselves and introduce ourselves for the listeners who have not joined us yet before Shane. why don't you tell us something interesting about yourself
1: i am shane and um i'm a little drunk
0: june i'm june uh i'm jack and the worst part of being old is remembering when you was young <laughs> <laughs> mike I am
2: Mike, and I spent all of my money on car insurance.
0: (laughs) You know, I don't know how much that is, but I bet you could spend 85% of it or less if you were on Geico. What? (laughs) That makes it sound like it was just, like, a discretionary purchase, like, <laughs> you went to Costco and they had a great deal on in car insurance, so you bought a dozen. <laughs> I'll take three car insurance, please. It's Costco, man. You buy them by the crate. Oh,
3: okay. Alright,
0: so, what is this movie? What um, is this movie? What What is this movie? What is this?
1: this movie
0: so the really the really high notes before i hand it over to mike to walk us through the plot this is uh the second movie in what we've dubbed the lawnmower series <laughs> and uh yeah really revolves around the <laughs> lawnmower just a sling blade did and uh from there why don't you uh kind of walk us through the plot there mike
2: I think a better title for this movie would have been 101 things to do on a lawnmower that doesn't involve grass. (laughs) (laughs) This is a true story about a man named uh, Alvin Strait, who in his old age of 73 finds out that his brother has had a stroke and uh, he decides that he hasn't spoken to his brother for a number of years and he wants to visit his brother in the next state over. However, the only way he's able to get there is via a riding lawnmower due to the fact that he is lost his sight, he's old, he has bad hips, and he does not have a driver's license. So this movie starts with uh, Alvin Strait with his daughter in Iowa. Or I, Ohio? Iowa? Where are they? Iowa, Lauren, Iowa. Lawrence, Iowa. Iowa. Lawrence, Iowa. And Alvin... Builds a trailer, uh, gets his motorcycle all tuned up, and hits the road motorcycle. on the back of. Sorry, I, I It's it was a long, long movie. Uh, on the back of his <laughs> his riding lawnmower. Um, um so really, yeah, there's not much else to say about the plot of this movie. That's really the general idea of what <laughs> happens. We go through his adventures riding on this lawnmower. He is a wise man, and he passes his wisdom down to. Uh, many strangers that he meets along the way. Um,
0: he also passes his wisdom to us, the audience.
2: God, I fucking hate this movie. It, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It was. It was kind of delightful. Like
0: I enjoyed this movie.
1: I. am so sick of slow ass movies
2: that slog through. So well, we go from Sling Blade to this. I think that we're going to do this a little bit differently instead of going through and hitting the plot one story at a time. We're going to just kind of generalize the movie of Alvin Strait riding his lawnmower. And I would like to talk about some of my favorite little subplots that happened during this trip that are were funny and delightful. And I'd like to hear your guys' opinions on yours.
0: Yeah, I have a I have a few moments I'd like to hit on as well. Just, I mean, since we don't have a lot by way to explain with plot for this movie, I think we may as well dive in. Why don't you kick us off mike
2: okay so at the very beginning is i think my favorite part of this movie uh, specifically for the interactions with his daughter uh he has a daughter whose name is um rose uh calls her rosie and she is just an amazing character uh she has some kind of speech impediment but it's very funny she has a lot of interactions with a uh she's talking to a cashier at the store and they're back and forth about a party is It's just hilarious. They did a fantastic job with this character.
1: Number one, I'd like to say is uh, this movie, if you've seen Twin Peaks, it's got like early David Lynch written all over it. It's weird that it's a Walt Disney movie because it's got this weird soundtrack. That's like, like,
0: I love the soundtrack.
3: That song. uh, I mean, I thought the music was very good, even though like, you could have taken anything from Ken Burns' Civil War documentary and put it in and gotten away with it. Oh my God, I'm um, spitting out my tea.
0: <laughs> but it it definitely Ma, did get... <laughs> the Confederates are marching on us again. That's
3: exactly what I was thinking through that.
0: <laughs> I, I fear not that I will make it through the night. It gets
3: really old hearing the same song over the same B-roll between every scene. Oh, oh my God, there's shot so track.
0: many tractor shots.
3: Which brings me to like... Normally we discuss trivia at the end here, but I can't get past this. The budget for this movie was 10 million fucking dollars
1: it's for the I, helicopter fuel for all the fucking yeah, I could
3: I, I could have made this movie for the cost of a well-used John Deere lawnmower <laughs> <laughs> and and but Shane, you're absolutely right. I figured it out at the end. They spent 10 million dollars just on stupid helicopter shots
0: of cornfields. <laughs> It's back in the days before drone photography
1: David Lynch was like Oh I can do this movie you're giving me how much Oh we gotta spend the shit out of this
0: It's like oh. a government thing if he doesn't blow Through his budget he won't get enough for his next movie And like That's this is why
3: I hate Like film festival movies Cause like it seems like Storytelling takes a backseat To pointless b-roll Shots <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't think like storytelling
0: took a backseat in this one. It, oh, shit. it
1: gets obsessive with uh um, ambiance. is that the word I'm? like it takes too much time in setting uh, it sounds weird to say in a movie because a lot of movies ignore it, but like it takes too much time outside of the story to set up the story instead of paying attention to the main characters. So I feel like we knew way more about Iowa. <laughs> because we didn't have enough to do with the main characters.
3: You know what I mean? If I had unlimited time, I would do an experiment where I would take this movie, cut out all the B-roll and see how long it is. It it would probably, probably about be like minutes. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just not not sure what you're expecting to get out of this movie, Shane. Did you want Alvin to like offer monologues at every occasion? Oh, no, so and...
1: here's a perfect example to compare this movie against. Is we saw Big Fish which is a story of a man leaving a small town and taking a journey, which is what this movie is. He's leaving a small town. He's taking a journey to see his brother. You would expect more to occur in the middle that that forms things, which I will say later in the movie, I'd say after the bar scene, I enjoyed this movie a 1,000% more.
3: But that's like
1: the last 20 minutes of the movie. I think the
3: problem with that is this is based on a true story.
1: Is it really? Yeah.
0: Oh Mike,
3: goodness.
1: Mike just
2: said that like 4 minutes ago.
1: Oh, I just joined in. <laughs>
0: oh my god.
2: Um I can already see that our idea to do this a different way is not working out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're kind uh, of all over the place, but all these right. uh, yeah, yeah. are goldies. All so, right.
2: So, at the very beginning of this movie, I'll just say a couple plot points real quick. Uh Alvin builds up his first lawnmower, decides to leave on this trip. He's told that he probably shouldn't buy his daughter, but he says he has to do it to see his brother Lyle in Wisconsin due to the fact that he also finds out from his own doctor that his health is very bad. And I, he wants to kind of uh, go see his brother um, forgive him for their, their falling out and also have him forgive him for their falling out kind of, you know, come to terms with each other. And that is his driving force is that he has to do this trip on his own. He has to, he doesn't want to have anybody else drive him. He's offered plenty of times by other people to uh, have help from them, but he turns them all down. And it's a really a kind of a pride thing at the same time of him knowing that he isn't long for this world as well. Um, so it's his last journey to go see his his brother Lyle.
3: If we're uh, if we're going sequentially here, the uh, the first part of the opening scene, I thought first of all was completely unnecessary. It was very very slow just to get things started. <clears throat> and it it followed a straight up opening credit, like against a single
2: backdrop of opening credits, so it made it seem even longer. I'm surprised you didn't mention the uh, slow shot, June. It was at least two and a half minutes. Uh, it's, but uh, in I mean, it was a
3: That's straight a fixed shot. camera. Like yeah.
2: anyway, so
0: <laughs> It's a long continuous shot. We
3: uh we see a shot of a fat old lady tanning and eating snowballs,
1: I guess. Snowballs.
3: And we hear a crash from inside the house. And then like six minutes later, it cuts to this bar and a man notices that Alvin is not there at this bar, which I imagine he frequents religiously at a certain time. So then like another 12 minutes later, he shows up at his house and spends another 10 minutes just calling out his name. Um, Gives you the idea that it's, you know something's gone kind of terribly wrong, but he eventually goes into the house and Alvin is just laying there, completely coherent but unable to move. I would think that if somebody was yelling my name worried about me and I could talk, I would be like, hey, I'm in here, I've fallen, and I can't get up.
1: <laughs> nope. Oh yeah, think he think... didn't shout for help once.
0: I think this just tells us about the character. Shane's complaining about how the characters aren't developed at all, but they're being developed right here. This is a man who doesn't give a single fuck about anything.
2: I think this is a good time to bring in our sponsor for today's episode. This is brought to you by Life Alert.
1: <laughs> Life Alert really would have just saved us about 12 minutes of boring.
0: Um, so
2: they they made a movie about a man riding a lawnmower across the country. Well, not even across two states. Uh, they needed a lot to fill in between that. And I think that's why these these scenes took a lot longer.
1: and so i'll say like this movie doesn't feel it like it doesn't hit its stride until i would argue the last 30 minutes and And then it becomes a good movie but like we're just dragging all the way up to that point so the first hour of this movie you're just like let's fucking go
2: i feel like you missed some subtleties
0: here yeah no i saw them
1: but it's just it's like a sling blade I can identify exactly why it's a good movie. Oh, this was so
0: much better still than a Sling play. Play.
1: No, it was still <laughs> a slog.
0: It was not a slog, and I'll tell you why. In this scene, so he takes his first lawnmower out, it doesn't work, he takes <laughs> it back, grabs a goddamn shotgun, walks through his living room while his daughter's just chilling in the kitchen, shoots his lawnmower, and fucking Michael Bay's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny, but what you didn't mention to the the listener is it takes about fucking 45 minutes of wandering around with this fucking lawnmower before he goes and puts it down like old yeller. I love the five seconds of him putting it down, but it's like 40 minutes till you get a payoff of something that keeps you awake.
0: Shane, I just want to state that you are not a good metric for movies that keep people awake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just saying I'm eight for eight on staying awake through movies What's your track record?
1: I stayed awake through this entire goddamn
0: movie. <laughs> Sounds like it was more exciting than Sleuth.
1: <laughs> I was just waiting for something to happen. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time.
0: All right. Someone else take this over.
2: You know what I want to know is, what what's the mile per gallon on that lawnmower?
1: I was wondering the same thing, because he what, he got, what, 15 gallons to for the trip? I also have a dispute on the time that it took him, because... They said 370 miles from Iowa to Wisconsin, right? It's
3: 240.
1: So 240 was the journey. So what would we say that his MPH was? I would say- It's five
3: miles per hour. All of this is listed.
0: Yeah, this is pretty pretty cut and dry.
1: So five miles per hour.
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, I, I think I can beat you to the punch. They say in the movie that it took him six weeks.
1: Right. So that's 40 miles per
2: god damn it all right at the end of this
3: podcast we'll uh <laughs> <laughs> no
2: i i have to say that I, I was concerned that he was riding a lawnmower when he had bad hips like what is the what's the vibration to ass ratio of a lawnmower for <laughs> six weeks
1: oh look painful he's all slouched over
2: i think what could have solved the the dragging
3: on um because i agree with shane just not quite to that extent I think what would have solved this is just more meaningful dialogue because all the dialogue is just awkward elevator small talk. Like you got him and his daughter sitting there and there's silence and it's like, I love a lightning storm. Silence. Me too, dad. Silence. (laughs) Listen to that grain elevator. Those are exact quotes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not lying
0: that's kind of I, what i liked about this movie though like it it felt like real people talking where they're not super eloquent
3: like i just wish it didn't feel like i, I may as well have spent two hours in a nursing home
2: <laughs> everybody in this movie was old so jack i think that uh, actually you and i are in a lot of agreement about this movie i really enjoyed the subtleties and kind of the the little conversation, the funny parts. There, there's a lot of little comedic you know, happenings where his lawnmower breaks down and a charter bus picks him up and takes him back to town, so he has to start over again. Like Those little kind of jokes, those little winks, I really liked. And I'd like to hear what you liked about it instead of what you hated about it, like Shane does. <laughs>
0: what? June hates it too. <laughs> All right, Mike, why don't you tell us about some of the people he meets on the road?
2: All right, we're going to pass over your opinion. That's okay. We'll get back <laughs> to, to offering, you eventually. some of the people that he meets along the road, uh, he meets, uh, first one he meets is a a hitchhiker. This is this young girl who is pregnant and she has run away from home because she is pregnant and she feels her family is going to be angry at her. And um, Alvin gives her a a very nice talk about family and how they'll forgive her and passes along his wisdom. He's playing, he is the, the wise old greenkeeper with his magic lawnmower at this point. And he's telling these these young kids what they need to uh, consider to be important in their lives. So that's the first person he meets. Um, after that, he meets a bunch oh, of hold, bros who are doing a bike on, race. Hold on,
3: on. On that note... There's
1: a lot to talk about there.
3: Um, Sorry. Oh, not really a lot, but my point, <laughs> I, I actually did like that scene. Um, just exactly what you said, you know, he he's imparting his wisdom. However, I would like to also impart my wisdom uh, for those of you more impressionable types, if you're a young pregnant girl alone in the backwoods and you run across a strange old man who was driving a tractor on the highway and he <laughs> offers you a wiener, it's probably best to remove yourself from that situation. <laughs>
2: what, what, what do you have there? Also, we got wieners.
1: <laughs> this scene with him helping the pregnant girl who is hitchhiking was a great scene. Talking about the sticks that are bundles and that's tight family. It was very loving. I liked it.
2: In uh, fact, what June was talking about earlier in the in the podcast where he was saying in the beginning, it had this very strange scene where uh, Alvin fell down and it didn't explain it until 12 minutes later. Same thing happens with Rose where she's staring out her window at this little boy playing with a ball and doesn't explain any of it. It's just creepy and weird. And then 20 minutes later, it goes into the story that Rose had four children that were taken away from her by the state. And it's like, oh, now that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: do you want to take us through the the cyclist bit? Because I do want to make some comments, but I'll wait for that one. To
2: so, with the, the the next people he meets are a bunch of cyclists. He's he's riding along on his lawnmower, and maybe a couple hundred cyclists suddenly ride past him, and it like it blows him away. He has to get off of his off of his lawnmower, and he's he's looking at all these cyclists going by. Uh, very contrary to the fact that he tells them later that he's seen everything. Uh, but he ends up staying with them at their camp and they're a bunch of bros and he passes on some more wisdom about being old. And if you want to talk about it, I think that'd be a good spot.
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So we've kind of been making jokes about him being this traveling sage that offers wisdom from his lawnmower. But I think what I liked about that was that his wisdom felt kind of real and not grandiose. He wasn't like standing on a soapbox and making some like overwrought statement about humanity. He's just saying, well, the shitty part about being old is remembering you used to be young. And that kind of feels like something a a real life old person would say, which (laughs) I enjoyed, right? Like, it's not like it's this campy, like hallmark guy traveling around. Who's like, well, you have to believe in yourself and teamwork makes the dream work and all kinds of stupid bullshit. That's something that
2: I also I was going to ask you guys about. I, I I feel like a lot of Alvin's lines were not scripted. I feel like they actually got an old person and just asked him to talk about <laughs> shit during this movie. Just a ramble.
1: <laughs> I will say I, I agree with Jack on that point that it felt very real. Um, you're right. The most, I think, high-level advice he gives is about the sticks and they bundle together and they're unbreakable when they're bundled
3: um jack i'll 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 agree with you on that particular scene uh it was very humanizing uh is that a word yeah um yeah it's human you definitely saw a little bit of of childlike innocence i guess in alvin during that because he's you know he's like jumping up and down like real excited to see this thing that you know i guess he hasn't seen before
0: what what thing is he jumping up and down to see he jumps
3: the, uh, the, when the cyclists go by, he gets like, he's like super oh. happy about it, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's like the first time a kid sees, I don't know, Disneyland or something.
2: But he has to be cool later and tell him that he's seen everything. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'd like to actually rewind a little bit. Yeah. So we we already mentioned he goes off on the trip round one, tractor breaks down, he gets busted back. Um, he does get a new tractor, obviously a brand new, you know, well not brand new, but a a used powerhouse like John Deere tractor from this mechanic. And uh, the mechanic says that he used this tractor for parts, and when the new parts came in, he installed it on this tractor. That's a racket, my friend. <laughs> He's taking used parts from this tractor, his personal tractor, putting it on customers' vehicles, and taking the new parts for himself. I just want to point that out.
2: Oh, wow, That's a good business model. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Where does this movie take us next?
2: Uh, this goes to my favorite scene is yes. the next person he meets is this lady who hits a deer in the middle of the road in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and Alvin jumps off his tractor runs over to help her and she just goes ballistic and it is it is a beautiful rant it is one of the most beautiful rants i've seen in a movie
3: so i didn't i don't know if i heard this incorrectly did you guys hear that part of her her rant was that she would blast public enemy
1: yes i wrote that down
3: <laughs> okay i didn't i didn't mishear that right
1: cuz deer are naturally <laughs> I've tried my headlights. I've tried everything. I've even tried public enemy.
0: (laughs) flame. flame. (laughs) this is what I'll say. So I started out this movie. All I knew about it was, okay, it's a story about an old man who drives a riding lawnmower 240 miles. I was thinking this is going to be horseshit. I started out this movie looking for things to hate. But after this scene, I could not find anything I didn't like.
1: The best part is he mounts the antlers on his fucking
0: trailer. I know. <laughs> They're on his trailer. That's fucking rad.
2: <laughs> did any of you notice that he also has a license plate on the back of his trailer?
1: I nice. that you legally have to have that to be on the road. I was
2: saying, did he register his trailer? <laughs> no, but it's, it's this scene with this lady... And as she's leaving, she walks over to the deer. She, like, checks his pulse. And she's like, he's dead. And I love deer. And then she, like, gets in her car and takes off. <laughs> she it's doesn't move it, it. off of the road or anything.
3: She said, she said uh, she's hit 13 deer in seven weeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is what I loved about this movie. It's, it's slice of life in ways that, like, are so absurd you can't make them up. Like, they're... It- they feel real because everyone has like weird stories kind of like that, but they're also totally absurd. Yeah, this movie feels like,
1: way. oh, sorry, but like it feels like a big fish, but not quite big fishy, you know, like it's like real things that can happen, but don't, I don't know, I'm drunk.
0: <laughs> All right, take us away, Mike. No, I think I think I think it's actually
2: like you're actually not making a bad point. It did kind of feel big fishy in a way of it was you know it's it's stories um from a certain perspective. So
3: I um I don't know. I am kind of, you know, I'm kind of rethinking this, but during during the initial watch I kind of thought that added to a bit of like an identity crisis for the movie. And I, and I and I wrote it down like is this a whimsical like big fish-esque story or is it supposed to be this kind of timeless like hallmark heartfelt story or is it the serious undertaking of a troubled war veteran i, I don't know like seven I mean, like the the surreal moments like uh 13 deer in seven weeks or um the mechanic twins we see later it's uh i don't know it's it seemed kind of out of place to me
1: I think you nailed exactly why you're a little torn watching this movie. It's like, you want to like it, but you just, you can't buy in because it it never commits in a way. So you're Mm -hmm. just, but I would argue that once again, in the last 30 minutes, it finally commits to what it is. And that's where you enjoy it the most. But for the most part, it's kind of like this weird middling, slow moving. So you're enjoying, but you're not invested per se.
0: Well, I think we've at least talked you into it saying you enjoyed it. So that's something. Well, I mean,
1: <laughs> we're watching the top 250 movies ever fucking made. So I think I'm going to enjoy some of these movies. I just have uh, to critique them.
0: What I'd say is I feel like approaching this, um, like it's big fish or sling blade feels like setting yourself up for a movie that it's not trying to be. This is, I'm struggling to find the right words, but it felt to me like this was more of it had a story but maybe not an overarching moral, right? Like there's there's a there's a bit of, you know, kind of a high high-minded ideals in this movie, but it's not setting out to be like a big, you know, forgiveness story like Big Fish is or redemption-ish story like Sling Blade was. It's just kind of telling a story about this unusual thing this guy did. Like,
3: I guess what I'm saying is, uh, I, I, you know, I hate keep bringing up Big Fish, but Big Fish was whimsical throughout. Every single part of that was just, you know, surreal. Whereas this movie, about fifty percent of it was like some art student's wet dream, and then. You know, the other little stories that are put in there are kind of like tall tales uh, in, in a way. And I just think those two clashed a little bit for me.
0: I suppose. I don't need, know that I agree that they were tall tales, but I can see where you're coming from.
3: Yeah, that's a bad word, but I mean,
1: you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah, surreal in a way.
0: I don't even know that I'd describe them as surreal or whimsical. They they kind of felt like they were just on the cusp of real enough to be believable Unusual enough to stand out. I could see that. Take us away, Mike.
2: So the next group of people Alvin meet are in a, uh, another town further down the road where he loses his, his uh, belt on his lawnmower. So as he starts going out of control down this road and uh, this gentleman, I actually didn't catch his name, um, invites Alvin to his home and tells him that he knows uh, Mary Kate and Ashley can come and repair his his lawnmower for him.
1: God damn it!
2: All right, uh, the Olson twins, <laughs> well, That's these funny, two brothers—funny,
1: god damn it!
2: <laughs> these two brothers who are go by the Olson twins uh, show up to repair his riding lawnmower, and uh, he does some kind of old school bartering with them.
0: Um, so. I want to call out the scene where he starts going down a gentle slope and loses control of his lawnmower, <laughs> his brakes go out or something, and it was like shot for shot the scene from Airplane where he's trying to land the plane, and like sweat is pouring off of his face. <laughs> I was I was dying laughing during this scene. I
3: saw that as a what's that movie that Paul Rudd keeps showing on Conan? <laughs> <laughs> the the kid in the With wheelchair. The alien.
2: <laughs> A lot of hard cuts throughout this scene where, um, he, he tells them that he's been riding now for five weeks and it keeps like hard cutting for the next couple of days or maybe a week or maybe a month. Like we never know with this movie, uh, but he's been there for at least a while before he's able to get back on the road again.
0: Yeah. And he's living in the yard. He runs out of money. So he has to have his daughter forward his social security check to this town. Um, That was pretty amusing. This guy, he just refuses to go inside. He makes them bring out a cordless phone for him so he can call. uh, Leave some cash to cover the long-distance phone call.
2: Somebody (laughs) else catch on to the fact that a lot of people in this movie smoke for a Disney movie.
0: Right? Also, another thing I love about this character, he's just slamming Swisher Sweets all the time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Does in this part of the story meet another older gentleman that uh, tend to be everywhere in wisconsin and iowa um that he exchanged uh war stories with them in a bar and it's a super weird scene where um uh, this this is where i think it was actually real stories i felt like they were not pretending or acting during this whole this whole part
1: yeah this is uh, i'll hop in here this is like my favorite scene this is where i really got invested in the movie is where he's explaining his whole time in world war ii and what he was and the things that haunt him. And the other guy he's with is also a World War II vet, and he's explaining the same things and they're bonding. And I feel like I got drawn to the character the most in this scene. And that's even with David Lynch doing these weird things like putting airplane noises in the background and bombshells in the background while oh, yeah, they're explaining these weird. heartfelt stories. I feel like he could have left those out because the way the actors are doing this scene is so perfect. That I found it a little jarring for them to insert noises. See, but... I thought it
2: would have made it better if they had like maybe some like overlaying shots of like Vietnam and you know maybe some black and white footage. That would have been great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is definitely the scene that sold me on Richard Farnsworth as the actor. So I knew going into this that he was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor for this, and I didn't think his performance was bad in any way. But I mean. Like Mike said, they really nailed it. It felt like, it felt heart, heartfelt, but not overwrought. And I thought this was an amazing scene.
1: No, incredible. Definitely the best scene in the movie. What do you think about it, June? So
3: um, I- I'll hundred percent agree. Like that was not acting. It was very real. And uh, the first point in this movie where I was like laser focused to what was going on on the screen. Um, do you want to describe the story he tells? Cause it's pretty,
2: um, yeah, we can, heavy. I mean, there were the two of them. One guy was a, uh, he, his story was working at a mess hall when it was bombed uh, by a German. Um, I think it was a, a fuck that, that bombed him out. Right. A, f-
3: a foker. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, then Alvin talks about how he was a sniper during world war II, and he, his job was to hunt people and talks about what it was like hunting people um and the you know at the end of it he ends up uh shooting one of his own comrades and how he was the only one who knew he did it and none of his none of his other friends knew that it was him who accidentally shot one of his comrades coming back from patrol
1: well and it, i think the important part of the story too is he doesn't even know for sure he just has a very good feeling that it was him like in the way that he describes it there's a lot of room for error but just the fact that you would even think that that could have been you you can see how haunting that was you know what i mean yeah like there's no way to confirm that he actually did that but just the idea of like the fog of war and you not trusting yourself in it would be even worse almost you know Yeah. because you're just filling in the blanks for things that you can't ever fill in which is like the other guy story where he's explaining how he was just going to get coffee for his guys. Like he was trying to sneak some more coffee and because he snuck off to get some more coffee for his guys, he survived and everyone else died. Like they're just talking about things that are just totally out of your control in a way. And you have to live with forever. And it is, the scene is just, it really humanizes everyone. And you see now why he's, and in essence he's almost punishing himself by doing this journey cuz he feels like he's he's taking on a big burden and he's like getting this weight off of him by taking this journey that's why he refuses help he refuses almost anything he can cuz he's it's a redemption journey almost
0: I'm not it's sure great- if i i agree and go that far but it's a Well fuck you. Good thought. <laughs> Do you want me to be mean about it?
1: (laughs) Well, let me tell you how you're wrong after you just poured your soul there, you asshole.
0: I'm just saying I don't necessarily agree.
1: Well, you're wrong, so.
0: (laughs) Just kidding, go ahead. All right. Anyone have anything to add?
2: You know what what I'm annoyed about is uh, the guy that he stayed with uh, when he was getting his, his lawnmower repaired. Said that he worked on John Deere's for thirty years and didn't offer to fix the lawnmower for free, like what an asshole!
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, he pawns it off onto Twiddle D and Twiddle Dumb.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even catch that.
3: And so that was another asshole. That was one of the other scenes that contributed to my point earlier about kind of whimsical. I think it could have gone without the the two mechanic brothers being like.
0: Comedic relief. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: it didn't need it because he he does Alvin, does teach these two you know a pretty powerful lesson about brotherhood, and and how important it is. But it was kind of overshadowed by like the one brother
1: just blankly staring into the distance, like, <laughs> and them trying to take advantage of an yeah. old man riding a lawnmower across the United States. Yeah, because that scene
3: could have been fun. You know, he, he without trying to be comedic because you know the way he he haggles them down uh to a more realistic price uh, you know is very good it it kind of shows his uh experience of of his, or his life experience over the years and then going straight into
2: teaching these two a life lesson so the life lesson continues on to what he ends up talking to the priest about with his brother
0: mm-hmm. 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 yeah Carry some for. let's give us a recap on that.
2: Yeah, so that's that's exactly the next part of the story is Alvin uh, reaches his destination. He makes it across the Mississippi, Mississippi River and gets to Wisconsin. And while he's in Wisconsin, he spends one more night before finding his brother, Lyle, and meets a priest in a graveyard. Uh, the priest comes out, offers him dinner, sees that he's camping out in the middle of this graveyard, and asked Alvin why he's traveling on a lawnmower and Alvin tells him uh, the reason he is doing this trip is to make amends with his brother who was his best friend growing up and due to substance abuse and just being a general human being had a falling out and he's trying to make amends before his brother passes away or he passes away. Now you talk. (laughs)
0: <laughs> on the note of the the kind of morals he offers about his brother kind of to an earlier point like he kind of phrased it as teaching, it, teaching a life lesson which is not false June but I appreciate the life lesson is pretty simple like well no one knows you like your brother like it, it doesn't have to be some big production and you know he talks to the pastor he talks about how yeah we look at the stars and we were kids together and you know it it felt real in a way that made it more than just a hallmark movie and uh
2: you know this is actually where where shane's favorite scene in the entire movie happened um this is where he said the movie got good which wasn't the last 30 minutes It was actually the last five minutes where he goes and gets a beer at a bar right before meeting his brother (laughs) where he breaks his sobriety yeah after how long (laughs) of not drinking (laughs) <laughs> like, I want a beer. I, I actually was kind of upset. I was like, oh, shit, is he falling off the wagon? Right. He's <laughs> just going to get hammer drunk and not make it. The think about that scene, that bar was a gas station. Like, who goes and gets a beer while filling up their car? Different time, brother.
1: <laughs> it was <Wisconsin's>. 1999. <laughs> wow. You could literally just pull up to a gas station and be like, all right, hit me up with the DUI, please.
0: <laughs> so this is just idle speculation, but I, I don't have anything to back this up. But what I wonder is with that story with the other vet back in that, uh, you know, a, a few scenes ago, if he had kind of been holding that in for a really long time. I mean, the reason he said he stopped drinking was because it made like his, his flashbacks and his PTSD worse. So I wonder if now he feels like it's kind of off his chest and he can have a drink again.
1: I'm feeling more for this movie now than I was when I
2: watched it. Like, right now it's hit me right in the feels you know what i you know why i think he got a beer i think it's because he just drove six weeks on a lawnmower i think he deserves <laughs> a little celebration I'm, drink, I'm drinking god damn it I don't know, we I all don't, keep I can... forgetting that he's riding a lawnmower uh
1: on a pillow that's all he has for like cushion is that the same pillow he slept with probably got pink <laughs> <out>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the kind of hard-hitting analysis our listeners can do this for. <laughs> down to you on the field, Mike. Uh, so uh, this is the end of the film where he
2: gets directions to Lyle's place. And in the last mile before reaching Lyle's, his lawnmower breaks down. And uh, he sits on the side of the road until a tractor drives up. And the guy gives him some really good advice. He says, did you try starting it up again? And he does. And it works and So he continues <laughs> on to Lyle's place.
1: You nailed the uh, climax of that fucking thing. God damn it! What a wi- what a waste of ten fucking minutes.
2: Uh, it's a nice moment at the end.
1: <laughs> we all just gonna cut, cut that one out. Huh?
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I, I felt like the last the last scene in this movie is actually really nice. It was he he reaches Lyle's house and. Wait, wait. I, 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 don't know about you guys, but I kind of felt like he was going to get there, and Lyle was going to be dead, and I was really worried that oh, that, yeah. was, that was what was going to happen. And so Especially he gets with
1: how long he was taking.
2: Yeah, right. Six weeks after Jesus he had like a massive stroke. Um. So yeah, he pulls up and he gets off the lawnmower and he, you know, he shouts out his brother's name and waits. And a couple seconds go by, and then suddenly you hear uh, Lyle call back to Alvin, and he comes outside. And, you know, they, they're both old men now. And they go up onto the porch. They don't say anything to each other. just kind of look at each other. And they, he says, sit down. And they sit down. And then they just kind of look up at each other. And I think Lyle looks at the lawnmower. And he, and he says, did you did you ride that all the way out here to see me? And Alvin says, yes, I did. And then the, they both kind of tear up. And it's, it's really a nice moment. I really like the end of this movie.
3: I think my favorite part of that scene was just the juxtaposition of those two. Alan with his, or Alvin with his uh, canes and Lyle with his walker <laughs> facing each other. Like, you know, mirror image. Uh, that, that was pretty good. That was good.
0: I think what, again, best scene of the movie, um, but I think what really sold me on it was the way uh, Richard Farnsworth acts it out as he approaches where, like Mike said, he, he comes up And he shouts for Alvin and it's kind of a beat and you can kind of see like in his face and in his voice before he calls out again, like his confidence or just, you know, this, this sense of doubt, whether it's, well, maybe Alvin won't come out to see him or maybe Alvin's dead. Or yeah, sorry. uh, Lyle, you know, for whatever reason, maybe Lyle won't, won't be there or won't forgive him. And you can see like that actually reflect in his acting even with the two words he says. And then, you know, as they go on, you can see, you know, the enormous sense of relief and happiness to kind of make amends with his brother. And they, they make amends almost without saying anything at all.
2: So, so Jack, you know, you know a lot about like the, uh, the actors, uh, lawnmower. What's that? The lawnmower? No, 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 I was, I was going to say, you know, a lot about the, the <laughs> the Jack, actor. you know a lot about lawnmowers. Yeah. <laughs> You please explain the CC of this engine. Would it actually have made it 250 miles? No, I want to know this actor, Alvin, uh, the guy that plays Alvin, is he in other movies? Like he did a really good job in this movie. I've never seen him before, and I thought he was a fantastic actor.
0: Uh, are you guys ready for a big old dose of sad? Give it. Uh, he was in a lot of other movies, a lot of westerns. This was actually his last movie. Um he had essentially, I think. Bone cancer at the time. It was, it was prostate cancer. Prostate cancer. It had metastasized, yeah. so it spread through his body. And uh this was his last movie. That's why I don't know if Alvin was so stiff uh in real life, but that's why the actor was so stiff and had difficulty walking. God, that
2: Damn. that is a sad thing, but that's great Jesus. though. Well,
3: it does not get great. Oh. Yeah,
0: he Oh Wait, can we just shortly after this movie he killed himself. Oh god damn it. I was gonna say I was gonna oh, say, can yeah. we just stop right there? And uh he did this movie, kinda of final movie, uh just because he uh loved the story of the original, you know, Alvin Strait traveling so much. Jesus. That's that's yeah so sad story. pretty sad. It was kind of a kind of a swan song.
1: Well, he did a good job. The actor was top notch for sure. Definitely no yeah. no problems with the the acting. So he was in westerns before this.
0: Yeah, he did a lot of westerns, like a uh, Bonanza type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that... I think he started as a stuntman. He was acting for a hot minute. He was uh, so he was in the Outlaw Josie Wells. No shit.
2: No. That's the that's the end of uh the straight story. That's that's how it goes.
0: So all thi- all things considered, what are Everyone's thoughts on the full movie.
2: Uh, well, personally, I I thought that it definitely had a lot of uh, boring moments. Obviously, it's a, about a man riding a lawnmower, but I but I really liked the subtleties of it. I liked the um, I liked the acting of it. I thought it was really good. Rose just really made the movie for me. I really felt like that character was just f- funny and fun to watch. Um, all in all, I I think I enjoy this movie a lot more than I than I thought I was going to. For me, the, the pure substance
3: in the movie was great. There were so many, you know, moments that we discussed that, that were just really, really great. But the pacing alone just killed it for me. The, from everything from the B-roll to, like, imagine in this podcast when I go to edit it that every 10 minutes I put that same damn song in there <laughs> and there's just silence for a
1: while. And then we continue on.
3: Oh.
0: You know, like... Can we try that? <laughs>
1: I think we're on to something. Maybe this is what we need. June, you struck goals. To be in the top 250 podcasts that we're going to review next. <laughs> Continue, June.
3: No, that's... I mean, that's about it. I think just speeding up the pacing. Stop trying to be this art project. And just tell the story. Because it's a great story.
1: Yeah. I'm going to second that. Excellent acting... I I love the story, the idea of it. I think it could have been a little better if it picked up. I just, I kind of see a theme with these movies. They're they're good. And I think they're carried by their acting and their story. But directors can get caught up in this meandering, like, and I'm not, here's me lecturing David Lynch on how to be a better director, but um, I'm going to. They recycle B-roll and it, It just needs to keep the audience engaged. And the problem is it takes you out of these great stories and then bores you for a second instead of keeping that momentum and going. So overall, a great movie, but kind of like Sling Blade, it can get real sluggish. Hold on. I'm going to say it. Cut
3: out all the bullshit and just make it a straight story.
1: Oh. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Oh, but bravo. (laughs) <laughs> hey, what does that have to do with anything
0: <laughs> is this some kind of reference that I'm not getting <laughs> alright what were you going to say Mike
2: um, I, I, this movie would be a better book than a movie
1: yeah I can concur with that's a, that a, one. that's a great point finally a movie we'd rather see as a book
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to respond to the, the accusations of meandering and I just want to say of course it's meandering. It's a story fundamentally about meandering. <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's nothing about anything in this story that indicates any kind of pace. So it's I don't geriatrically how, filmed. Yeah, like the no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean at its core it's it's a movie about not hurrying to anything, so I feel like doing. I mean, of course, there's like extremes, but trying to trying to cut it down and turn it into like a you know quick cut, you know, scene after scene after scene movie would detract from it. I think it benefits from moving through its story slowly.
1: Well, I think you think we're asking for Michael Bay to direct this film. I'm <laughs> just I'm asking for a
2: little of the fat to get trimmed, but. This this movie covers just about everything
0: that can happen to a man on a lawnmower. <laughs> just just about. All right, so um, having kind of uh, summed up our notes, I just like to to share some trivia. I want everyone to know I tried to find Yahoo answers about this movie, and there are none. <laughs> so no questions from wow. our listeners today. But uh, so just some notes on it. Very well received, nominated for um, several awards. Don't know that it won any, but Richard Farnsworth did get a nomination for best actor. He was the oldest person ever to be nominated for best Oscar, best actor Oscar. Um, well reviewed, however, it did not really make a great profit. If I recall correctly, it made something like six million on a what was it, ten million budget? You remember those facts? Um, no, I use my computer like a human being. You just said,
1: <laughs> as I recall,
0: <laughs> as I recall from elsewhere on the Wikipedia page that I'm on right now,
3: it did win the the Palme d'Or at Cannes.
0: Did it? That's something. Um, so uh, Alvin Strait, the the person who was the uh, basis of this movie, the man who actually did the trip, signed on for ten thousand dollars plus ten percent of the movie's profits. Kind of unfortunately for him, the movie didn't make a profit, so 10% of zero is zero. So he owed money? <laughs> That's how it works in Hollywood.
2: <laughs> no, with 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 $10,000, with $10, he could probably do another trip to another state on another lawnmower.
0: He could buy a he, hell of a lawnmower. <laughs> he actually attempted another trip to another state on his lawnmower. He tried to, I think, go to Idaho while this movie was in production. Though... Do you have another brother? Right. <laughs> um, and then some minor notes about what everyone has been wondering about, the John Deere one ten Lawn and Garden. Yes, here we go. Um uh, now this has about ten horsepower if I remember correctly, and I found one at auction online for twenty five hundred dollars. So Jesus Christ. Holy moly. Should we like to do it ourselves? We're gonna need a little more than three hundred and fifty. It's as much as I spend on <laughs> car insurance. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now on to our favorite part uh what we like to do on this podcast is we got the rankings from imdb that's the order we're watching in but we like to rank the movies ourselves because we don't trust those chumps at imdb so um of the movies we've seen june where do you put this movie and i can refresh you on your list if you like
3: um so i think I'm gonna put it at uh, number seven behind Maltese Falcon. It's pretty low. Is, it's second Ooh, to last harsh. on my list, but I mean, it's still number seven, like best movie I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> <You're> right?
0: <laughs> so, and you weren't that generous about Maltese Falcon. Ah, uh, yeah, I
3: I don't know, man.
0: Actually, you may have it's, been.
3: <laughs> at, like I said, I've I've said all the points earlier, but I don't know. At the end of the day, it was like a a diet Forrest Gump. And,
0: <laughs>
3: like, <laughs> and like, it well just, said. It, aside from the
1: story, all the other stuff just really took me out of it.
0: Uh, Shane, where you put it?
1: Yeah, I'm going to put it um, for my list just above Maltese Falcon, but under Touch of Evil, so I put that one. <laughs> Five or six? I don't fucking know. Between Touch of Evil and Maltese Falcon, so bottom of the list, but kind of middling, right? Yeah. Uh, like like you said, it's great story. It I just kind of faltered in execution a little bit, but, you know, not a bad
2: movie per se.
0: Where would you put it, Mike?
2: Um, this is going to be contrary to everybody's opinion, but... I thought it was less boring than Sleuth 1972, but not as boring as (laughs) Sleuth 2007. So it's going to go between the two
0: sleuths.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. We've split Sleuth. Oh, Oh, God. God.
0: All right. And uh, so for me, this is a tough one because for me, the question is is it better than Sin City? Mm. And I think. Yes. Yeah. It's just
3: based on the talks, I think it sounds like you enjoyed this more than you did Sin City.
0: Yeah, I think so. And you listen to everything twice or more when you edit, so yeah. you—no one knows my opinion better yeah. than me. <laughs> and so the the final verdict from everyone: Do you recommend watching this movie, June?
3: Uh, I don't. I think the uh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze on this
1: one for me. Shane. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to agree. I, I kind of base it on do I feel different after the movie or do I feel like I've I've gained something from a movie viewing experience? And I I just – I don't it's, – it's a good movie, but I didn't – I don't need it. I wasn't missing anything. So if you see it, good, but I, I wouldn't say take the
2: time out or spend the money. Mike? Um, I'm actually – even though I like this movie, I'm going to say that I do not recommend watching it uh, because – it did not have anything that the general populace would enjoy out of a movie i personally like it but i feel like a lot of people will not like it
0: yeah i think i'd agree on saying this movie's skippable despite my high ranking for it it was i don't know i'm i'm very glad i watched it i don't necessarily know that i'd advocate for people to take the time to watch it Whew.
1: fuck you straight story get out of here Out in the dumpster <laughs>
0: was this the first one we all were straight nose on
1: well i'd like to point out too it wasn't on disney plus even though it's a walt disney movie but it was on amazon prime so even disney plus was like eh
0: keep it
2: there's there was way too much smoking for it to be on disney plus
0: <laughs> all right what's on deck for us next week ratatouille oh thank god that'll be a fun one. Oh,
1: finally something that could really compete with big fish
0: Really?
2: Well, I guess we'll find out next week.
0: Alright, well, with that said.
2: Wait, these come out on a weekly basis?